Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Hey there, everybody. My name is Drew Daniels, and I am so thrilled to step into this series that we're in together on how to pray. I have been engaging the series up until this point and listening to Nicole's teaching. I'm a friend of Nicole's, a fellow pastor and Bible enthusiast. I'm also part of the team that helped create the content for this series. And if you are new with us, welcome. So glad that you're here. You may actually want to go back a few episodes um, on this podcast and listen to episode one. Nicole sets some context and then she builds each successive week Um, on teaching from the Lord's Prayer. We're looking at Matthew 6 together uh, for a six-week series, and this is week four, so there's three podcasts that are incredible. In fact, I was re-listening as I was preparing uh, for this time together with you. I was re-listening to what Nicole's been teaching, and bar none, her content on the Lord's Prayer is some of the best that I've heard. It's so accessible, and it'll really lay some groundwork what we're going to cover today. I will briefly touch on a few things that she shares, but for the most part, um, it's it's helpful to go back and get that context. So that's one thing. Also, if you're new with us or if you have been engaging for a couple weeks but not quite um, feeling plugged in to all that's going on around this series, let me let you know about a few things. There's a Facebook group with over a thousand members in it, and Nicole touches base with that group as well and, and engages it when there's questions or thoughts, or if you just want to learn in community, if anything strikes you as you listen to these podcasts and you want to engage others on the topics, you can check out that Facebook group. You can also join a weekly email where you'll get a free weekly study guide that offers a practice and a way to engage the teaching each week. It's sort of a parallel companion to the podcast. So where do you get that stuff? Well, you can go to NicoleEunice.com slash how to pray. NicoleEunice.com slash how to pray. If you put your email in there, you'll get plugged in with all that you need to fully throw yourself into how to pray and, and what we're learning together in this series. If you just want to listen along, that's also wonderful. We're so, so glad that you're here. The point of this series is not just to learn how to pray, but how do we transform through prayer? This is something Nicole has uh, pressed hard um, into into us as we've listened to this series, that we want to transform. Yes, we want to learn about the Bible. We want to increase our knowledge about Scripture and about what it means uh, to pray like Jesus. But Jesus, when he taught, was always after the heart and transformation of the heart. And so what we're hoping to do is not just learn information, but to actually transform. And that's actually where the study guide and other resources, companion resources for this series come in as well, because while it's great to listen and learn, once we put it into practice, then we will really see our lives transformed through the power of prayer. So this week, we're in week four of this series, and I will be uh, having the honor and privilege of jumping into the text, we will be in Matthew 6, verse 11. We're just handling one verse today, but I'm going to read the entire passage in the New Revised Standard Version. Feel free to pull out a Bible 
and follow along. You can underline or highlight anything that stands out to you, and then we'll dig into the passage together. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Here we go. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, and I'm going to read through 13. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, if this is a new translation for you or you have not heard the Lord's Prayer in this uh, phrasing, this is the, as I said, the new revised standard version. And I think every now and then I just like to jump into other translations of the Bible. Sometimes that different color or feel can be really helpful. And maybe this is a version that you read from normally. So you might want to find another version of scripture, like the New International Version or the New Living Translation. All of these different translations were uh, derivative from a lot of scholars coming around a table and saying, how do we understand the original manuscripts of the text? And so it's filtering through really, really brilliant people before it gets into our hands as scripture, because the Bible was written in a different language. This uh, was written in Greek, this passage. And so by the time it comes to us, sometimes just reading in a different translation can be helpful. So let's zoom in on uh, verse 11. But before we do that, we are pulling from Nicole's Help My Bible is Alive, the Alive method. Uh, you can access her book from her website at NicoleUnis.com. But there's four questions that are so helpful and so practical and so simple. What does the passage say? What's the backstory? What does it mean? And what does it mean for me? These four questions are going to guide and orient our time together. So let's start with what does the passage say? Well, today we only have one verse to look at, but let me tell you, this verse is so packed with meaning. But the verse is this, and it's this simple. Give us this day our daily bread. Or I have a little note in my translation that says, uh, give us this day uh, our 
bread for tomorrow. And we'll talk about that little note a little bit later. So what does it say? Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes just changing where you emphasize a word can bring out such new meaning. So let's let's try something together. Let's emphasize each section of this verse. Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. When the emphasis goes on the word give, it reminds us that we need something outside of us to supply sustenance. I think that's really important. When I think about my life, oftentimes I can get hooked on thinking that I need to provide for myself. I need to provide for my family or for others around me. I need to be the source of whatever it might be from love to kindness. Uh, Maybe I feel like I need to be more generous to others. And I view myself as if I'm the source, as if everything starts with me. But this passage doesn't say that. Uh, It doesn't tell us to pray that we are daily bread. It tells us to pray for God to give us our daily bread. We need something outside of us to supply our nourishment, our sustenance, our provision. Okay, let's change. Let's push the emphasis to the next couple words. Give us our daily bread. This prayer is for bread for everyone of God's children. This prayer is for a community of people. And Nicole hit on this in the earlier episodes. This is a communal prayer. The our language um, in this prayer is really helpful to remind us when we are praying. We are praying for ourselves, for sure. We're also praying for a community of people that they would be provided for by God. Give us our daily bread. The emphasis on daily. It's not monthly. It's not weekly. It's not annual or our retirement bread. (laughs) This is really compelling to me. Let me tell you a quick story about this one. This past summer, my wife and I were staring down the barrel of having to fundraise for our salary. We were in the middle of a job transition in our family, and it was around July that I started noticing these pinpricks of anxiety that were just under the surface all the time for me because I knew that in five months, I needed to be fundraising my salary for 2022. So this is July 2021, and I'm already starting to feel anxious about my provision for the next year. Well, that's five-month bread. I really wanted five-month bread there. And what I've actually had to learn through this passage is, well, maybe it's a spiritual journey of eventually only needing to worry about four-month bread and three-month bread and two-month bread. But ultimately, the goal in this passage is that we would get to the point where each day we would recognize a provision from the Lord. Daily bread, not weekly, not monthly, not annual, not something for the long-term future. But this momentary reliance, and and this is where I'll I'll make a quick note on that note that I said that was in my Bible about how some translate it as uh, daily bread for tomorrow. Whenever you see an extra little footnote in the Bible, and it says either various manuscripts say this, or this can also be translated this way, usually what it means is there's a unique phrase or word in the original language that scholars aren't quite sure what it means. And that's all that's going on here. The concept is the same, that even if we're praying today that God would provide for us tomorrow, or if we're praying this morning for God to provide for us today, what we're praying for is that God each moment would be involved in our lives so that we aren't just saying, God, can you take care of me for the next few months so I don't have to think about you until, you know, (laughs) a couple months from now? We're saying, God, we need you. 
This goes back and builds upon Nicole's teaching of our father. This is a heavenly father. We're oriented towards a father who loves us. And he's the one that gives us our daily bread. Okay, I think I've beat a dead horse on that one. (laughs) Not monthly, not weekly, not annual, but daily bread. Okay, let's emphasize the last word. Give us our daily bread. The most basic of needs is food and water. We need someone else to give this to us. When I think about needing daily bread, I think about the process that goes in just to making bread. There has to be flour and oftentimes yeast and it has to bake and it has to rise and all. I don't even know if that's the (laughs) proper order of how bread is made. The point is something outside of me. My body doesn't create its own bread. I need something. I need wheat to be harvested. In other words, something has to be cut down. Something has to be killed. Something has to be sacrificed in order for my body to be sustained. Something has to be taken out of the field. And then crushed, and then worked in to dough, and then cooked so that then I can eat it. And it's one of those basic needs. Give us our daily bread. Wow, there's so much in each of those words just by reading it. And you can highlight a word in there, or you can highlight one of those uh, emphases on one of those words and just make a little note in your Bible. Sometimes I just jot down give, and I circle that word, and I'll say, Man, there's something outside of us that we need to supply our needs. Sometimes those little reminders are just helpful. We can get so much out of just this one question of what does the text say? Now, this text is often treated, especially in America, as a metaphor. But is that entirely what's going on? Oftentimes we think, well, we'll get our daily bread in terms of God providing for our emotional or spiritual needs. But this text has a backstory to it. So let's look at the second question. What is the backstory to this text? Well, let's first start with where it's situated, where these verse, where this verse is situated within Matthew's gospel. So starting from the closest concentric circle in, this verse comes in the middle of the Lord's prayer. Now, Nicole has said that this prayer is set up as not what to pray, but how to pray. In other words, We don't only pray for literal daily bread, though we may, and we don't only pray for daily spiritual provision, though we may. What we want to discover is how can we translate how we pray about anything when it comes to our needs, physical, emotional, intellectual, communal, career-wise, spiritual, whatever it might be, all these different needs that we have. How do we orient them in a way so that instead of thinking of them as things we need to be anxious about, We orient towards God providing for our needs. What is the principle at play here? In other words, Jesus is not necessarily giving us exactly what to pray, but how to pray, meaning we need to discover the principle within daily bread that can transform us. So it's situated within the Lord's Prayer. One other thing to notice about how it's situated in the Lord's Prayer is this verse comes right after a couple other verses where Jesus has taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's focused on God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's focused on God's kingdom and God's power and God's God's reign and rule over the entire earth. And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. This is the first verse. Notice there's a shift in the prayer. This is the first verse that focuses on us and what we receive. Up until this point, We have focused on God, who he is, and his power. That's going to be important to understand that 
that we are halfway through the prayer and this is the first moment where we we talk about us. I think that's worth pointing out because so often when I pray, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'll start praying and I'm distracted because I kind of want to watch whatever's on Netflix or, you know, most of us aren't so good at prayer. We don't know how to just go to just be with God, our heavenly father and pray for his kingdom. Oftentimes I'm thinking about my needs and what's most pressing at the moment. And so I just go and I'm rehearsing my anxieties to God. And while God cares deeply about those, it's also helpful to see in this prayer that Jesus actually situates those a little bit further down the list of importance. That's, that's valuable to me. Okay. And then the further out context, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. I absolutely love what Nicole says about the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just going to repeat what she says briefly. This is Jesus's full expression of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. This prayer comes in the midst of a teaching about a completely different operating system for life. Much of what Jesus teaches about in his Sermon on the Mount is this large discourse about how to live life differently, the way that God intended for us to live, but it's often counterintuitive to the way our culture tells us to live. And so we ought to consider that this prayer is embedded in Jesus' teaching about a counter to, counterintuitive way to live with God in life. Okay, so that gives us context right in Matthew. But now what's a broader backstory for what it means to pray for daily bread? Jesus is trying to teach us to pray for God's provision. And, and this idea of daily bread can be traced all the way back to the story of the Exodus. And if you're familiar with that story... God led his people out of captivity into the wilderness where he provided for them with daily bread. It was called manna, which literally means what's this or what? Huh? They didn't really know what it was, but it's described throughout scripture as daily bread or as bread that provided for their needs. And this story is really, really compelling because what it helps us see is that there's an actual physical provision that God provides for his people. So some of the backstory of this is that Jesus is talking to people and he's teaching them how to pray and he's saying, God will actually provide for your actual needs. He may do that through other people in your life. He may do that through um, other experiences or networks of things in your life. It may not be that you open your door every morning and there's fresh baked bread <laughs> right there on your doorstep. But, but do you see what's happening here? There's a reorientation here that even when bread gets to your table, even if you bought it at the grocery store, that you are grateful and thankful because it's actually a gift from God. Because God created the people who harvested the wheat, who did all of the processes to get that bread to you. And by the time it lands on your table, you aren't the originator of it. This is really important because it can be very easy to think that we are responsible for every detail of our lives. And what Jesus is saying is, no. You actually aren't. You aren't responsible to provide for all the details of your lives. In fact, life starts in the posture of receiving from God. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. 
When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. In receiving that bread from him. So there's a literal aspect, a physical aspect of God's provision. There's also uh, this idea of bread and daily bread can be seen throughout scriptures and even in the New Testament with Jesus. We see that Jesus's miraculous power is symbolized through bread. If you've ever heard of Jesus feeding the 4,000 or the 5,000, he breaks bread and then it multiplies. Yes, he's providing for a physical need, but it also demonstrates the miraculous power of who Jesus is. At the Last Supper, if you've heard of the Last Supper, right before Jesus uh, goes to the cross, he is with his disciples. And bread becomes a symbol of community, but it also becomes a symbol of Jesus' body that's broken. That's broken for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. So bread can actually have a very metaphorical, spiritual, emotional, mental significance. That our guilts and burdens that we can often carry around with us each day, God is daily giving us forgiveness for those things. That bread that is broken for us. I think we can, I think we can uh, glean that from this understanding based on the use of bread throughout the New Testament. Jesus is called the bread of life in John 6, 48. Jesus is associated with being the very sustenance for our lives. In other words, you can almost sub in give us Jesus daily. God, give us, give us your son daily. We need his forgiveness. And we'll talk about that even next week of why that is so important as we relate with others and relate with ourselves to receive forgiveness. But for now, recognizing that God is our provision through daily bread, that that's the point here. And this is transformational because if we pray for God to provide for us, it situates us in a position of need which gets us to what this means. What does this text mean? It means we're needy people. We're needy physically. We can't eat or drink uh, without the life of another being given. As I've kind of described above, even a plant, even even if we're vegan or vegetarian, when we eat that plant, it at some point had to die, be cut off from the earth so that we could have it. If we eat animals, something had to be sacrificed in order for us to eat it and survive. We're needy people. We're needy people physically. We're also needy people spiritually. There's a humility that comes that is required actually to rely on daily sustenance. And it's massive. It's massive. Some of us don't even know how to receive dinner from a neighbor when we're feeling sick or how to let someone just give us a good gift or give us a compliment 
we deflect it or we ignore it or we say, oh, they didn't really mean it or we immediately compliment them back. But what if instead we received that as God's spiritual, mental, emotional provision in our lives that someone is coming to encourage us or give us something Receiving gifts can be very challenging, especially, especially, and I don't want to just single out Americans because <laughs> every human being has their own set of problems. But as Americans, we've been so ingrained and taught to be individuals that take care of ourselves and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But you know what? We actually are heavily reliant upon all sorts of other things for existence. And we're heavily reliant on others as well as God in order to live our daily lives. So it can be a spiritual practice. Think about this, a spiritual practice to let someone give you a compliment and receive it. Say thank you. Let them see your face beam. Let it soak all the way into you. And then turn that to God to say, God, thanks for providing for me. I needed that encouragement today. Something as simple as that can transform us. All right, so that's, that's getting into some of what it means. Now, one last piece about what it means before we talk about what it means for you and what it means for me. If we are people that are deeply needy and reliant on others, it means that we are people that live in debt. It means that we are people that live in debt. In other words, we are always in need of something to fill us. We are always indebted to the things that help us survive. If we could produce food on our own within our own bodies, then we would be closed systems that no that don't need anybody else or anything else in order to live. But because food, nutrition, sustenance, nourishment always comes from outside of us and then goes into us to help us sustain our lives, it means that we live in debt. And we're going to talk about this next week, but think about how this sets us up for um, the idea of forgiveness. And think about even some translations will say, forgive us our debts as we forgive those um, or as we forgive our debtors, we are people that have a debt from the very beginning. Some may call it sin, some may call it brokenness, some may call it wounding in the world, but there's a debt at a, at a truly deep level that's, that's bigger than anything we could do. We can't, we can't do anything to get out of that debt because if we were to try to sustain ourselves, we couldn't do it. We couldn't actually survive without sustenance without bread something coming from outside in okay so we've talked about what it says we've talked about the backstory and we've talked about what does it mean but what does it mean for you what does it mean for me well here's how i'd love to tackle this instead of talking about uh what it means exactly for you let me offer what it means for me i'm going to tell one story we have next door neighbors that my wife and I and our kids have gotten to know really well, and they're wonderful people. And they invited us over for dinner at one point. And there's this dynamic at play where something in me felt like, no, 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 we need to host them. But as I thought about this verse, it released in me, instead of this pressure or anxiety to be like, oh, how do I like host for them? Or how do I take the food over there? And how... How can we find some way so that we aren't just the recipients of their kindness, of their mercy? I remembered that God has given so much to me that I'm never responsible for my own things and I can be served even by my neighbors. 
um, even if they're different than me, even if they're non-Christians, even whatever, I can still go be with them and receive from them. And let me tell you how that transformed my experience with them. I showed up in a posture of gratitude and it allowed me to celebrate them with our family for this meal. I didn't have to one up or do anything else. And this is what this passage means for me. It means that God provides for us in all sorts of seasons of life, whether it's the good seasons or the hard seasons, whether it's through a neighbor, through a friend, through a coworker, God provides for us. And sometimes I don't see it in the moment, but if I'm willing to be a person that's needy and in need of help, then I'm always in each moment going to be available to God's gracious gift in my life. And it's through Jesus who went through the ultimate suffering for me. And we'll talk about this more next week with forgiveness, but it's through his, his work in his life, his death, his resurrection, that now I can go into my life, living life as a gift to be received, not a trial to be endured. And friends, that changes everything when we live life that way. Oh man, there's so much more. There's so much more I'd love to say, but we're good. We're good for this week. Marinate in the fact that you are freed from having to provide for yourself and from everybody, uh, for everybody around you. Allow God to provide for you. Engage the study guide this week. If you'd like to engage uh, the forum, the chat, share stories of how you have seen God provide in your life and and let that encourage and strengthen those others who are in the Facebook group uh, so that we can all encourage one another along this journey as we learn how to pray. All right, y'all, I cannot wait to talk more next week and just so grateful to be part of this. Again, if you want to connect more with Nicole or learn more about her Bible study uh, methods through Help My Bible's Alive, you can check that out at NicoleEunice.com. Talk to you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.